Thank you so much. Good morning. My name is uh, Jeff Norris. Uh, Some of you know me. Some may not know me. Um, I live in uh, the metropolis of Punxsutawney. And uh, my official religious title is the um, Chief High Priest and Pharisee of the Western PA District of the Christian Missionary Alliance. It is an honor to be here this morning with you. Uh, Pastor Mark called and asked if I could potentially um, speak, and I was just honored to do that. We will be continuing in the study progression, so if you have your Bibles, please turn to Philippians chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 10. Uh, This passage, actually, it's the same passage I preached from last time, so now you have proof that I have more than just one sermon in my gospel gun. But who knows how good that sermon is, because nothing has changed since the last time I was here. I have good news, and I have bad news. The good news is, I'm a complete freebie. There are no fees, no mileage, no honorariums, no anything, completely free. The bad news is, you usually get what you pay for. There's one other thing, just to kind of get you guys up to date. Not long ago, I took an assessment, a spiritual assessment, and it really nailed me to the wall. It was four pages of assessment, and one of the paragraphs, I'm going to read it in a moment, but it deals with pride and arrogance, and it uses animals to describe... um, the behavior of the person. And the animal for me, one of the animals for me was a peacock. And so if you can just imagine a a peacock proud and all the feathers out and all that kind of stuff. Now let me read to you the paragraph. The long-term goal of counseling for the heart types, and that's what I turned out to be, must be to bundle away the peacock and to dock his tail feathers, so it becomes clear that without his finery, he is just as much a normal, ugly chicken as the rest of us. (laughs) Hence, after that assessment, I started praying, okay, Lord, teach me humility. Be careful what you pray for. Not long after that, now everyone look this way intently or you might miss it. Not long after that, I'm driving down the road, I'm drinking a Coke, a bottle of Coke, and I hit a pothole. And bang! Hence. (laughs) Everyone see that? What is not there is a front tooth. And so I go to my dentist, and he's like, oh, man, you did it this time. I went to an oral surgeon. He yanked that thing out of there, drilled a hole into my skull, and screwed a 16-millimeter insert. And now in four months, three, four months, I get a new tooth back there. But be careful when you ask for humility, because you might get it. (laughs) Or at least you might get something that will cause you to feel humble and... um, A normal, ugly chicken just like the rest of us. I'm going to read through the passage now. And I have been praying and trusting. And the Lord has already spoken to me about this passage. And I'm trusting that he's going to impact all of us. So please follow along. And then after reading the passage, I will lead us in prayer asking for the Holy Spirit to impact each one of us here. Listen to God's word. 
Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard to you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh... I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law of Pharisee as as for zeal persecuting the church as for legalistic righteousness. Faultless. But whatever was to my profit. I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. O Father in heaven, you have said through the prophets and apostles that your word will not return void. May your word impact each one of us here, beginning with me. May we not leave here the same people that came. I ask that your spirit would come such powerfully, it would come with such power upon us, and that your word would reap such a harvest that we would be transformed from the inside out. I am unworthy to preach your word. But your servant surrenders to the Holy Spirit and to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Come and abide in your servant. Declare your message to your sons and daughters so that we might continue to encounter you in these moments ahead. That is my prayer, Abba Father, and I pray it in your name, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Apostle Paul, we know that he was a preacher just by the very first word that he used here. 
What's the very first word that he uses? Finally. Finally. It reminds me of the story of the little boy and the dad. They're sitting in the service, and the little boy, he says, Daddy, the preacher just said, in conclusion, and finally, Daddy, what does that mean? And the dad said, oh, it means nothing at all. He's only halfway through the book. He's a preacher. But he's using it to get our attention. Finally. Finally. He wants us to zero in and understand. Finally, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Now this word rejoice, it's almost in the command. It's a very strong declaration. Rejoice in the Lord. It means that you're existing in a state of well-being, of joy, of gladness of happiness, that you're existing in like the presence of the Lord and his joy and peace and presence are upon you. Now, why is that so amazing that Paul is saying this? Why is it so amazing? I remember my one professor, um, Dr. Pindall, he said, um, a paradox is a truth Standing on its head to get your attention. A paradox is a truth standing on its head to get your attention. Why is this a paradox? Come on, guys. He's in prison. Paul is in prison and he's writing to us who are free saying, Rejoice in the Lord. Be glad. Now remember, this is later on toward the end of Paul's life. He's in prison. Now, what has Paul's life been like? Has it been a bed of roses? Has it been joy and delight? Has it been easy, smooth sailing? What's his life been like? If we turn to First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter eleven, he was shipwrecked, he was beaten, he was flogged, he was stoned, on and in prison, on and on and on and on and on. This guy, I mean, if he sent us his resume, would we even consider him? No. And yet, what's he saying? Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. How can this be? Is he just saying this stuff? Let's think back a little bit later. At one point, wasn't he and those with him, they're not letting me roam very far, are they? He's in prison, it's midnight, he's been flogged and beaten, he's innocent, yet he's been beaten, he's in chains, he's shackles, he's in the inner dungeon, and what are he and Silas doing? Singing! Rejoicing in the Lord! And all of a sudden the earthquake comes, all their shackles fall off, the jailer comes in, and he's about ready to kill himself because he knows the people have left. Don't harm yourself. We're here. How can I know this Jesus that you have? Paul, in the midst of all of these fiery trials, imprisonments, beatings, floggings, in in danger from his own countrymen, in danger out in the cities and out in in the towns, he's in danger his whole life. And yet Paul is able to say... 
even from his life, we see that he is constantly rejoicing in the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is oozing from him. In fact, the fruit of the Spirit is oozing from Paul. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, and self-control. Does Paul have the right, has he earned the right to tell us to rejoice in the Lord? Everyone nod your head. I don't. I get impatient at the microwave heating my oatmeal in the morning. Anyone else with me on that one? I'm not there. But Paul, but Paul. See, somehow Paul learned, no matter what state, whether it was in prison or starving or out on the sea for a day and a night all by himself, he knew how to rejoice in the Lord and to experience the presence of the Lord with him. So that he was in a state, a mental state of joy and gladness and peace. He slept well at night. He slept well at night. Don't raise your hands, but how many of us really sleep well at night? I believe Paul did, except when he was singing, that is. See, the world is desperately looking for peace. And a good night's rest. And it's got nothing to do with silly posturpedic or those other rascals, right? It's the presence of the Lord. And he knew it. And if anyone can talk about it, he can. Because he lived such a life, a difficult life, and yet rejoiced over and over and over. How much rejoicing are we doing? Or our neighbors, when they look in the windows, when they kind of glimpse over the fence at us, are they seeing the joy of the Lord ooze from us? Or are they seeing something else? Now, in this passage, he shows us, first he shows us how not to get it. First, he shows us how not to get it. Let's look at the passage. What does he say? If anyone else thinks he has reason, because you see, some people think that if they work hard enough or if they do enough, they can control things. Any control freaks here? Oh, good. There's a couple here. Gee, they were all, all ladies except for one. I'm a, I'm a control freak. I remember one assessment I had. It was a 360-degree assessment. There's these four PhDs sitting there. And I'm like, let's get to the rat killing guys. And they were supposed to be assessing me. And, and they're like, well, Jeff, it, it kind of looks like you're a control freak. And I said, yeah, that does not say that. Give me that. Where does it say that? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a true story. Some of us. We want to take the bull by the horns, and we think that if we control everything, and if we do everything just right, then we can have a sense of peace. Amen? Does that work? No. <laughs> it doesn't. Here, listen to Paul. 
Here's what he says. If anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, taking control ourselves, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of, of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, regardless to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, for legalistic righteousness, faultless. This guy did everything that he knew to do to live a righteous life. Everything. And it didn't give him peace. Now, if we go to my home in the suburb of Baltimore in the Chesapeake Bay, if I look hard enough, I could find my perfect attendant Sunday school pins. I have about that many of them. Some of you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you are like, what is he talking about? See, when I was a kid, if you attended Sunday school, perfect attendance, you got a pin at the end of the year. And if you went on vacation, you had better bring back a bulletin with the Sunday school teacher's signature on it to prove that you were in Sunday school class. Well, see, I only have about this many. Paul's would have gone down to the floor. You see, he didn't stop at anything. Whatever he could do, he would, I'll do it. I'm, I'm your man. I'll do it. 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 And yet, did it give him peace and joy? No. You see, here on another count, he can tell us the way not to do it. See, sometimes it's just as important to know how not to do something as it is to do something. Are you with me? I'm a grease monkey. I'm basically a mechanic. There's a lot of things I can tell you how not to do. Amen? I know how not to lower a car down off of a jack. I know all kinds of things how not to do these days. It's amazing. See, he, he with all of his energy... Dove into doing it by the flesh, being in control. See, I grew up a little bit that way. I grew up, my parents, my my mom loved the Lord. And unfortunately, what happened in my home from my perspective is, yes, we love the Lord, but there are all these do's and don'ts. And eventually, I got my eyes off of the Lord and onto the do's and don'ts. And if you do this and don't do that and you do this and you don't do that, then you'll find the abundant life. And you're so focused on the do's and don'ts that you neglect the intimacy with Jesus. And it robs you. You're busy. And people kind of like you. But you lack joy and gladness. And peace. And patience. And you usually lack humility too. Because you're looking at everyone else and they're not doing as much as you're doing. And they should be. Amen? So Paul is saying, guys, this is how you don't do it. And there were all kinds of people there telling them to try that way. Just work harder. Just do more. Just obey the law. And Paul said, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt. It doesn't work.
But what does work is what Paul says in verse 10. I want to know Jesus. You see, Paul had an intimate relationship with Jesus so that moment by moment, he sensed Jesus' presence. And I believe with all my heart, when he was in jail, and he knew he was in jail, you know who was there with him? Jesus was. And he could sense his presence. And he could not help but sing for joy. Because he sensed Jesus' presence. In our worship this morning, could you not help but join in in the worship? You couldn't help it. You felt his presence and you couldn't help but sing. Or you couldn't help but pray. You couldn't help but raise your hands. Internally, you just couldn't help but just rejoice at what Jesus has done. You see, there were all kinds of influences pushing in on that small church, trying to get their eyes off of Jesus. Doing this and doing that and doing all these things. And all those things can be good things. But the best and the most important thing in all of life is intimacy with Jesus. It's walking hand in hand with Jesus. It's not just having daily devotions in the morning. It's starting the day in his presence and walking in his presence all day long. It's being with Jesus. And one of the barometers, one of the telltales of whether with whether we're walking with Jesus in his presence or not, is joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control, love, agape love toward other people. That's the true barometer. Not what we're doing. And doing things are good and important. But the real, the real measurement is not what we're doing, but our being with Jesus. The abundant life is not found in doing things, but it's found in being with Jesus. And yes, Jesus will lead us into doing things and loving on other people and ministering to other people. But it's out of that intimacy that the abundant life follows. And so this morning, on a 1 to 10 scale, how well are you living in a state of wellness, of joy, rejoicing, peace, just knowing that he is with you and that that's enough. I believe with all of my heart that God had Pastor Mark call and ask me to come 
to deliver this message because I know he hit me with it first. Because it's so easy for some of us to get so busy doing. We're really good Marthas. Rather than being a Mary. Sitting at Jesus' feet and just being with him and just soaking Jesus in. I know some of you here like me that have ADD. We can't sit still. My leg never stops wiggling. But it's possible, even with that, to be still and just be with Jesus. And when that occurs, the joy, the peace, the good night's rest, Increases more and more and more. Who here this morning wants more of Jesus? Wants more of his peace? Just want more of him? I'm going to pray, lead us in prayer, and then just a couple moments of silent prayer. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit just to speak to each one of us here. Please, do whatever the Holy Spirit says. It might be to stay where you are and pray. It might be to come here. It might be come to the front pew. Whatever it is. If you want more of him, if you want more of that peace, just listen and do whatever the Holy Spirit asks.